That was the opening music to McHugh, starring John Wayne, Eddie Albert, Diane Muldar, and others. And it was released in 1974. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net, and on iTunes, and in Facebook, just search for Classic Movie Reviews. And you'll find us on there as well. And I'm Matt Johnson, recording from the Seattle area today. And we've got some sun and blue skies. It's it's almost like springtime here. Oh, great. Your photos that you sent were really nice. Uh, this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles. Wishing everybody a uh, happy uh, returning to our podcast. McHugh, I remember seeing this in 1974, 1975, long before I was familiar with Seattle. And um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, a Dirty Harry movie with an older John Wayne playing the Dirty Harry part in a different city. I read where John Wayne uh, did not want to do Dirty Harry, and then he regretted that that happened. And he uh, put together this uh, film, McHugh, and then he did another one the next year, Brannigan which takes place in London. The movie was directed by John Sturgis, who did an awful lot of these uh, action movies. The studio was Warner Brothers, I think. Wayne did almost all his movies in his later part of his career through Warner Brothers. Movie did well. John Sturgis had quite a prolific career. Uh, what'd you think of this uh, Pontiac that John Wayne had? <laughs> that was quite a car. That thing was awesome, man. The <laughs> sound of the engine and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, I think that's a classic car for sure. A car from the past. Actually, I liked watching all the old cars. There was one that uh, the the Captain Kosterman, played by Eddie Albert, drove. Oh, Eddie Albert, yeah. It looked like like a boat. He pulled it into the parking garage, and it hung out like five feet beyond the edge of the parking (laughs) space. This was a couple, three years before they started downsizing the cars. I enjoy the movie a lot because so much of it uh, brings back memories of Seattle. Just a few highlights when they go into the parking garage. That is actually the parking garage that was used by the police department at that time. They now have a new building. Uh, And then I love the uh, time he pulls up in front of the J&M Cafe. Yeah. And he goes inside. I don't think it's the inside of the J&M Cafe, but it's the outside. And then the Coliseum, the old Coliseum, before it was re- redone and named the Key Arena. The, the one thing that was surprising to me is they didn't put in a uh, shot or two of the Space Needle. Yeah, you didn't really see the Space Needle at all in the movie. No. But they did go up to the, the where the hospital was. That That actually was a hospital at the time. And then later it became the headquarters of Amazon.com. That's um, right, yeah. They've since moved to down by Lake Union. It looked to me like 
the interior was uh, from that uh, hospital because I've been in there too, and it it had the look and feel of a hospital. That's for sure. Uh, I liked I liked the scenes down along the water where he had his boat on Lake Union. That was cool. Oh yes, and then the telephone was up on the dock. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? <laughs> he, had to, he had to plug it in. Uh, he had to, yeah. That was really a, a boat that John Wayne owned. Oh, really? He, he, he took it up there or, or trucked it up there or whatever for this movie. The movie has a really big budget and really well-known people with the production by Levi and Gardner. One of the things I read about the movie is that people liked the movie, but they thought John Wayne was maybe a bit old to be playing that part. Uh, as McHugh, and I thought, well, you know, when I first saw it in 1974 or 75, I didn't really think of that. But now, as I watch it, that may be true. He was—he was in his 60s. It was—it was a pretty action-heavy role for somebody in their 60s. But I thought—I mean, it didn't seem totally unbelievable. He could really drive his car, and he knew how to ha- handle his guns. He knew how to, ha- yeah, that machine gun. That holy mocha. What do they call it? The equalizer, I think? Lon, I have a little um, equalizer here. We're going to try to sell it to the department. The Ingram. Ingram, huh? Nine millimeter. Six, seven pounds? 6.25. Silencer makes a nice handle. Lon, this can here is filled with water. Go on, squeeze off a burst. Why not? How about that? Those 32 slugs came out in a second and a half. Did you ever see anything like it? Hey, you're not going to take it, are you? Just say it's alone. Lon, it's not licensed. Jack, neither am I. (laughs) Something like that. And when they filmed the uh, the scenes out on the coast near the end of the movie, I was I was enjoying the fact that they could drive easily from Seattle out to uh, Aberdeen and the Quinault Indian Nation in like it looked like about a half hour. Yeah, like it's just that close, right? <laughs> <laughs> and some of those scenes were filmed uh, along the coast near the Quinault Nation. Yeah, the I like that. My favorite scene was the chase along the the beach. Uh, oh yeah! Driving through the water—that was pretty unusual. I don't think I've seen too many chase scenes like that. Apparently, the uh, chief uh, stunt person—and I forgot his name now—it's here somewhere—was almost killed when they actually almost killed when they blew that car so that it would go into the air and roll over. Oh, that 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 was intense because it actually looked like there were people in there. Yeah, there was there was a driver, and uh, they—I guess they'd used a little too much explosives oh you know when he went to that private detective's place yeah that looked like the pioneer building it sure did (laughs) i thought they're in our building i felt like i'd been in that that office or something it was very familiar uh but just like the 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 driving they did a lot of driving around different parts of seattle and they the way they cut it it made it look like they were all kind of connected but they're not uh and when he was trying to chase that laundry van that was they he thought was full of the drugs 
and he was yes. dri- driving underneath the freeway. That was kind of cool. I like that scene too. That that chase scene was good. I guess when you uh, know the city well and they cut around, it's hard to it's hard to believe it because they they cut it in a way that they're in different places uh, that happen quite a few miles apart. Remember, it's Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, where Tom Hanks' character goes out in a boat and it ends up over in Alki, which would be really difficult to do. I mean, take hours to do. But right. look like he just skipped over there in a song and a dance. The magic of movie making. The magic of, uh, that's right. Hal Needham was the man that almost was killed. They overcharged the explosion. Plot is uh, kind of a dirty, hairy type of story. Starts out with the uh, killing of some police officers, one of whom is John Wayne's partner. So Wayne becomes the person that's going to go on a revenge hunt and he has his uh, moments of disagreement with eddie albert his boss and then he kind of tracks down the different uh, characters and events and he gets so upset that he leaves the police force damn the phones haven't stopped ringing upstairs city council the man has clout What'd you expect? His lawyer was going to let it die? I never touched him. Sure, we talked. But he slipped on the wet floor and fell. He says otherwise. So do his men. They're his men. You're off the investigation, Lieutenant. Pending review. What's all this? Everybody knows that Santiago's the biggest dealer in the city, in spite of his cover. Intelligence knows it, and so do the feds. His age comes in from Canada by mule. Just file your report, Lieutenant. The commission will be pleased to consider whatever you have to say. A date will be set for the review board, and you will be notified. That's it. Until further notice, you're on a desk. I tried to warn you. Wait a minute, Alon. Don't do that. Too much politics. Wait. Come on, don't do that. No, wait, think about it. You, you put in too many years here, Alon. You got a good record, a damn good record of arrests and convictions. Frank, let him go. He was never part of the team anyway. Yeah, run it smooth. Don't do anything. Don't rock the boat. Do you mean to infer that our... I can infer anything I want now, Chief. I'm a civilian again. Right, right. He's just had it with him. Too much bureaucracy, too much bullshit, he says. <laughs> He's had too much of Eddie Albert and the whole thing, so he then he finds out that he he needs some money. Right. So he has to go over to uh, see his ex-wife and her current uh, husband, and that was filmed in Madison Park, uh, or that area, so he can get some money to continue the search for the people that killed his partner and he's undercovering this police involvement in uh, drug trafficking and that sort of thing. I thought the plot was pretty easily understood and straightforward. Yeah, and it had a good opening where it it starts off with a bang and there's like a guy that kills two police officers and we find out that he's actually a police officer or detective and then he gets killed 
And that's kind of what sets uh, McHugh off on his, his manhunt. And one of my favorite parts was he takes that money that he borrows from his ex-wife and her husband and uses it to get some information out of Rosie. Yes, who's Rosie. played by Roger, Mo- Roger Mosley, Roger E. Mosley. And the the way that he was dressed, he looked like like such a stereotypical seventies like pimp, you know, like with the I fur know. and that hat and those lift boots, and that was that was pretty great. And I, what I liked about those scenes, uh, the early ones, they're at the uh, Seattle Coliseum, and it's an actual Seattle Sonics basketball game, and they're filming this during the game. That that gave it some realistic aspects. Yeah, I think Roger E. Mosley later uh, had a very successful career playing the uh, helicopter pilot on the Tom Selleck uh, Magnum PI. Oh, that's where he looks so television show. Yeah, yep. he was yep. he was on that for a number of years. I also liked how uh, our our hero John Wayne McHugh handled Manny Santiago. The, in the bathroom, the the, the uh, mob chief played by Al Lettieri, in the bathroom of the J and M Cafe, and I, I I think he leaves him head down in the urinal. Well, he was laying in the urinal, and then the, laying in and the it urinal. was like it was <laughs> flushing on him. Yeah. I tell you that that uh, McHugh guy knew that that reminded me of a di- Dirty Harry scene. Clint Eastwood could have played that part. Oh, totally. And he he was always like beating up on these criminals and then say things like, well, he slipped on the floor or he banged his knee into a chair. You know, it's like, it wasn't me. I know. Hey, McHugh, what is this asinine police crap? This is illegal arrest, man. This is unconstitutional and you damn well know it. Well, this whole damn place is coming down. You know that? You pigs are going to be out of work, but don't worry about it. We'll put you on welfare. That's all your stinking job is anyway. Come on, pig. Shoot me. Pull your piece and blow me up right here. What's the matter? No guts? Chicken? Huh? Oh! What happened? He bumped into a chair. Chair? A, a, a part of the movie that kind of was jarring to me, it, it didn't fit so well, was uh, there were just a kind of a quick scene with uh, a radical. Yeah, that was weird. Richard Kelton, that kind of got thrown in as a gratuitous uh, part of the movie. I thought it really, to me, it didn't really add much. They could have cut that whole scene out where they are offloading all those, look like almost like hippies, but radicals, they called them. And then he he beats up on one of them in the hallway. It was like, what's the point? You know, it was almost like trying to make a political statement or something. I, I think it was given that it was 1973 when they filmed it and distributed in 74 uh, that was kind of the uh well that was still the era of vietnam and all that so yeah for sure i, I liked eddie albert he was appropriately sleazy but also a good guy underneath yeah ultimately he was kind of he he did kind of have McHugh's back but he was pretending to not i guess right like he, he wanted McHugh to think that he was on the outs because then at the very end of the f- movie it turns out that this was all kind of a plan that him and um, J.C. had played by Julian Christopher. Yes, uh, the end when when they when it finally ends and they walk across to that tavern to have a beer. Yeah, 
<clears throat> I tried my best to figure out where that would have been along the coast. And I cannot come up with a good location because it's probably gone now or changed so much I can't recognize it. I mean, that, was, I, that was over 40 years ago. I can't imagine I that that place is... Well, if it is there, I'm sure it looks different now. I, I love the fact that I could I could identify with so many scenes that were filmed uh, in and around Seattle. And it was, it was like kind of a historical presentation of Seattle. You mentioned in your uh, text that Parts of Seattle didn't look that different at all. No, I, I thought like um, like the old police station, uh, like it, I think it's the King County Jail now, is still there. That looked the same. Like the, that old um, hospital that was then Amazon.com's headquarters for a while, that was the same. And just the skyline was familiar, but we've got some new buildings now, obviously, and it's it's more built out, but... You could definitely tell that it was Seattle, and then there was a scene, some scenes down in Pioneer Square, and I could see the pergola in the background with all the trees and that little area. Yes. That, that was cool. So that yeah. that whole area just looked exactly the same to me. But but the best part of the movie for me was just watching all the old cars and the way people dressed and seeing seeing old Seattle. Uh, that was probably the best part. And then I thought uh, that John Wayne did a good job, although he looked. He looked tired in a lot of the scenes, and maybe that was part of his character. But he he was a smoker, wasn't he? Uh, he was a heavy smoker until the 1960s, and he had lung cancer. Oh, okay. And then he had a series of surgeries, and it went into remission. Then it came back in the late 70s. I think it might have just been a fairly strenuous role for him. Yeah. At at the age, let's see, he was. I would I would think he was probably sixty, oh, sixty six, sixty four, something like that. And he had the, he had a lot of action stuff, even though they were using stunt doubles for some of it. Yeah, the the parts of the movie I didn't like as much were. I just thought there was a lot of scenes of just two people sitting and talking. Like there was a really extended scene of McHugh and yes. Lois sitting on the on the boat, and Lois was played by Diana Mulder. Uh, and they were just talking and talking and talking. I I think I might have fallen asleep for a couple of minutes. <laughs> I had to I had to rewind it and like, oh, what did I miss anything? No, I didn't really miss anything. I thought the movie was probably twenty minutes too long. Um, I, I agree. In timing, it was uh, what was the time on it? One hundred and eleven minutes. So they could have got it down to about oh ninety five, and it would have spiced it up. And I, and I was trying to think, well, is that just me being used to having more action-filled movies? Or I, I thought, no, I don't think so. I think it's just that they had these scenes, of them just talking, and I don't really think it added that much to the film. And then I, I, I found it kind of unbelievable that McHugh would kind of have try to start having a romantic relationship with his partner's wife you know his dead partner's wife because there was that one scene where oh yes that he it looked like he was going to spend the night and then the other guy the other detective showed up played by uh clue galuger oh uh Stu gallagher uh what is that tom's i think clue gallagher yeah i believe it he, he was in a lot of television shows yeah he looked familiar but uh yeah then we find out that lo and behold it was him and Lois that were the ones yeah. that were running the drugs and so I I don't know how well that really kind of fell together for me like I, I'm not sure that I totally believe that 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 would be the case but 
Yeah, so the la- the last part of the movie to me was a little bit of a stretch to to kind of follow along. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I it, it, in some of the John Sturgis movies, like uh, The Magnificent Seven, there is none of that lag time where you're wondering why they put that in. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and in this, there is. And, you know, I visit this uh, retired actor every Friday, and he and I talked about how the movies back in the 40s, 50s, and into the early 60s were about 90 minutes long, 90 to 100 110 minutes long. Today, they run two, two and a half hours, and we were trying to figure out why there was such a difference, uh, and we haven't really come to any c- conclusion. I think it depends, though. I mean, there are films that are 80, 90 minutes, but those tend to be more like the kids' films, because kids can't sit through yeah. a two-hour movie. But Like, some of the uh, Avenger movies are long, you know, like... They are two hours long yeah and- i reviewed one of them for the newsletter and uh it, it could have been shorter it's it's almost like you get a little bit fatigued on some of that when there's so much action in like a two-hour film where this had a lot of downtime it could have used a little bit less downtime on, in this film yeah I, I agree well i i uh i like the movie i thought john wing did he did a pretty good job um uh, and if you've seen this one you've kind of seen the Brannigan film from the next year, although it's in a completely different setting and theme and all, but it's got some of the same uh, style and all. So I gave this a rating of six and a half. <laughs> six and a half. <laughs> yes, okay. I, as as usual. That's very if specific. I, if if I don't like the rating scale, I make up my own. <laughs> uh, but I I would I could I could see maybe uh, push to seven, but it it's. It's a cut or two below uh, Red River or Stagecoach, in my mind, or The Quiet Man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's things I, I liked a lot about it, and then there were some things that just really didn't like too much. But I would probably go with a six. It's definitely better than like a middle-of-the-road average film. Um, yeah. I thought John Wayne did a good job. I love the scenery. I love the old cars. Um the core of the story was good. It just didn't quite hang together for me at the end. They could have they could have paced it uh, quicker, and it would have moved along faster. Uh, you know what we should do? So we're at seven, six and a half, seven. What we should do is do about four really bad movies in a row, so we can anchor the bottom <laughs> end of our scale. So we're not getting the uh, what do you call it? The halo effect of having too many. It's a we. I, I have I have several that I could nominate for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never left a movie, but I've come close in in over the years. And you know, or a movie that times. a movie that when it came out got really good reviews, and then we went and saw it, and it was like, what? That was terrible. Remember that movie, Hardware? Oh yes. Did we leave that? <laughs> that may be the one that we did leave. That was so did, did bad. We stay I tried to the end of that. <laughs> I think so, but I can't remember. Oh, I tried watching yeah, it that's... again, and it was just as bad now as it was then. And I don't understand why it got such great reviews when it first came out. Uh, there's another one from the '40s with William Powell, who's an excellent actor, called "Life with Father," and it was very popular from a stage play. I think it was made in 1940. 647 it's supposed to be really hilarious uh, it's for me it's unwatchable today wow because he's such a overbearing controlling person as as the father it's like oh boy 
So I think we could easily come up with four. The only problem is we'd have no listeners at the end of that. They'd all go, why would they review that? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, if we, maybe if we reviewed four of them in one episode. <laughs> yeah, well, we could do that. Because I've got a, I've got a, a DVD pack of 50 classic horror movies, but I think they're being a little generous in the use of the word classic. They're they're older, but they're not great not movies. So, most most of them so are not very good. So we could pick a couple from that set too. <laughs> we could throw in the remember the uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> right, I've never <laughs> seen that. <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> it would be, it would be right in there with hardware. <laughs> okay, I had forgotten about hardware. By the way, well, uh, I guess before we started today, we decided that for our next podcast. We would do Narrow Margin from 1952 with Charles McGraw and Marie Windsor and uh, struggling and trying to avoid the, the uh, mob characters on a train from Chicago to Los Angeles so that she can come back for uh, testifying at a trial. It's a wonderful movie. Was that movie remade? I, I think it might have it been was. remade later. It yeah. was. With Gene Hackman and Ann Archer. That's right. Uh, it's still that one's pretty good, but this one is, I think, a, a, truly a classic, in the best sense of the word. We're going to do a series of movies that are set on trains, right? Yes, I I sent you a list of ten. Not that we want to do ten, but there's a, there's so many. In fact, this morning I finished watching one uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson on a train in 1946. Yeah, so that'll be coming up for the next few episodes. Um... And yeah, so that was uh, that was McHugh, and we sort of middle of the road. We liked it, but it wasn't a great film. So until next time, this is Matt Johnson coming to you from Seattle, and Bob Johnson from Los Angeles, wishing everybody great movie watching. Too bad. Okay, Lon, I had it wrong, but I didn't turn in your badge. I can tell you what you can do with it. You. Lon, it was my job. I was transferred to internal security. I've been on you all the way. Yeah, that's your job. Lousy damn junk. All right, Lon. How about it? It's a bar over there. Let's get a drink. I'll see if I can figure out why my uh, laptop wasn't allowing me to use the Blue Yeti. Hmm. I have no idea. Oh, yes, I do. Is that it? Oh, for God's sake. I just figured out what it was. What? The Blue Yeti was on mute. (laughs) (laughs) God. 
sometimes I do stuff and I'm thinking, I should be not allowed to use this. I'm dangerous. 